All right. This week we have Patrick McNamara joining us. He's arguably the best running physio in Sydney at, from the running room. He's, he's a fellow podcaster with the podcast That's Running. A <clears throat> uh, bit of a freak runner too, uh, sub 240 marathon, sub four of six foot. He's ran UTMB, probably the most significant trail race in the world. And there's a YouTube video, the 100 miler documenting that. He's also a little bit of a, a modeler, influencer, a few Spono's, ASICs, not, not Zest, I think it is. Yeah, he, he can do it all. Fixed nutrition. And we've been fortunate enough. He's unfortunate for parties, had a bit of COVID recently. But to our fortune, we've now been getting him on today. And today we are going to keep continuing on with this mini series about how to be a better runner and deal with the question how to deal with injuries and avoid injuries. So that's why we've got Pat on to help kind of flesh out that question a little bit yeah so welcome patty thanks bro thanks for having me that's a hell of an intro yeah i i, I love running and it's it's kind of funny to hear all that said back to you but yeah I, everything in my life revolves around running in some way or another i think it's fantastic and, and until you try and hold a conversation with someone who doesn't run then you're like <laughs> oh shit like that's all i do <laughs> but yeah so I'm, I'm happy to be here and i can chat about whatever we're going to chat about we'll chat for hours so try and keep me briefly where you have to so we're just going to start off with a little bit of a training update yeah what are you training for at the moment patty you got any races in mind or yeah i've got a few i'm getting into triathlon actually so a lot of my focus is on swimming and cycling at the moment got a half ironman coming up but for the i'll I'll try and do a full ironman for the first time in um, the start of may so that's the big goal for me get learn like learn how to cycle and swim properly the running bit will be all right this is the other two that they get yeah geez and i guess covid's kind of been bit of a spanner in the works how'd you go um about training for that this week yeah like i've been, i've gone from like 30k runs to like 30 steps a day it's been so weird but i've also just been like laying down i felt pretty shit this week but today was the first day i feel good enough to to do some movements so i'm stuck in my bedroom so i can't go anywhere but i've got some dumbbells I was able to do a little bit of a strength workout today so that's the first thing i've done all week my strava is looking a bit bleak yeah, it's a bit weird. I don't recommend getting COVID. It's not good for training. And so, yeah, with, it, it threw you around a bit. You, you feeling all right still? Or? Yeah, um, day two was pretty horrible. I didn't get out of bed much in day two. Day three and four, I got a little bit better. And today's day five, and I actually feel like 90% better today. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of laying down. Yeah, well, it wasn't particularly fun, but I think I'm definitely past it now, for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's good, mate. What about you, Smitty? How's your training week been going? Yeah, not not so good. I was a I was a close contact, so I'm in a similar situation as you, Patty, just locked away. So I haven't been able to run or leave the house, which is a bit challenging, especially when I've just started to get into a bit of a stride with training and build back up to. I think it was just past 100k. So yeah, just got to sit tight and not much I can do. I'm I'm lucky I didn't get COVID. So, but that's very not much to update here, Dom. In terms of training, yeah, it's been yeah, a pretty solid week. It was a big week last week. I think I was just trying to do too much though, um, ramping up volume and intensity. So this week I've kind of haven't done too many sessions. I did one session on Tuesday, and then I've slowed down all my other runs as well, just to kind of handle the mileage. Yeah, training for six foot at the moment. So yeah, I think last week was probably my first real week of training, and I'm just trying to get used to the higher mileage. I've got a bit of a session plan for tomorrow on Saturday and yeah it'll probably be like 150 k's again this week which is good for me should we like jump 150 into... 150 k's is good for anyone though oh yeah <laughs> it's <absolutely. just> good <laughs> you gotta be happy with it's that impossible. it's impossible for most good for some <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah today's question that we're dealing with is uh how to avoid and deal with running injuries so I guess how we can approach this is what are the most common sort of running injuries that you'd see party and then we can kind of dig into what causes them and how you'd treat them i think there's like there's two very different approaches to one is a bit more like tangible science numbers approach to it all and one is more a i guess more of a philosophical approach as to like why people always run into and through pain which is mm. just a fascinating way to think about it so like 
essentially, depending on what studies and what data you look at, anywhere from 20 to 50% of runners get injured every year. But like 20 to 50% is pretty a pretty broad range, but it, it basically averages out to 50%. So like 50% of runners will experience an injury every year. And that might be like, a stiff Achilles that makes you miss one session, but it's, mm. that still counts, you know, towards the data, but like 50%. So it's, that's an outrageously high number. And if you think about any other sport, say you're going to go into like a season of football, knowing that 50% of your team would get injured that season, like that's ridiculous, right? Like you would do something about it. Like with those numbers, you've got to do something about it. But yeah. for some reason, runners continue to get injured and it's this it's really interesting uh, situation that we're always in and and it's like no matter the advances in technology no matter the advances in like footwear support training approaches diet recovery no matter all this other shit we still get injured so there's something going on right and there's two ways to look at it one way i suppose is that we're we're really used to like running through pain and running with pain like it's Mm -hmm. It's kind of it's it's like it's almost like yeah to some extent and there's a bit of a culture of that Mm -hmm. and I think it comes down to like why we run and and often we we run like I'm sure all three of us run because we just love it it feels good we enjoy the feeling we like where it goes where it takes us we like the achievements we like the friends like there's so many reasons for running yeah but then a lot of people run and push their bodies to the point where then they experience pain Mm -hmm. and then they like keep running through that. And then you get into this cycle of like, oh, it hurts to run, but I'm going to keep running anyway. And it hurts to run. I'm going to keep running. And you get into the cycle of like making shit worse. Mm. And pretty quickly you, you've lost the fact that like running feels good and is really enjoyable. And you might push through things because you're like, oh, I want to get a 5K PB or my training plan says this. So I've got this marathon coming up or whatever it is. Mm. And it, it just happens so often that people lose sight of the fact that running is actually really fun and feels good. Yeah, 100%. and it's 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 almost like this psychological approach of like, what's wrong with people? Why have they forgotten that running is just a nice thing to do, yeah. as opposed to like trying? You do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, does that kind yeah, of make sense where I'm getting at? Yeah, it's, definitely. It's, it's like I reckon a psychologist has got to get involved in a lot of injuries because a lot of time, if you mm. just slow down and just do a bit less, you're literally going to be fine. Yeah. But people are like want to run and run and run, but even though they have pain, it's like, just, bro, just slow down, like. Yeah. And part of it is you just go back to your why like why do you run and for some people it's to get a marathon pb for some people it's because it feels good and and i think if you ask people if you go deep enough everyone runs because they enjoy it and it feels good and i yeah. think if you're getting injured you're doing something wrong you've got to sit back and have a good look at yourself so like I went on a bit of a tangent there but that's one way to approach is like running injuries and like why we get injured i think there's some weird like psychological phenomena about running mm. you, like which is a funny thing and it's just a discussion to have right there's no answer yeah, there but absolutely. it's like if you're constantly getting pain it's like maybe look at your approach to it all anyway there's that i bet you didn't expect i was going to say that but what you did expect i was going to say was the other way to approach running injuries which is the, the fact that everything's an overuse injury like literally everything is overuse unless you just are unlucky and you twist your ankle on a trail or like you get hit by a car or there are unlucky things that can happen where you like, you genuinely like snap or break or tear something. That's just unlucky. Even if you like tear a muscle, that's just unlucky. Like that just sucks. So there's, there's unlucky like traumatic things that can happen, but beyond that, and they're all quite rare, but beyond that, every single running injury is overuse to some extent. So say say you've got like knee pain if you run 200 meters your knee is going to be fine but if you're on 10k your knee might hurt so like it's an overuse thing there's it's just overuse might be a kilometer or 10ks or 150ks a week like but there's always and this goes for every single thing in your body and your legs every bone muscle joint tendon cartilage everything can handle a certain amount of load and once you put more load through that object or through that structure that's when you get an overuse injury so that's the case for your achilles tendon your shin bone your plantar fascia your knee joint everything can handle a certain amount of load does that kind of make sense so far yeah 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 absolutely so so if that's the case then 
there are two approaches to it. One is how can we ch change something to put less load in that area? So like if you're getting shin splints, like how can we change something to put less load on the shin bone? Or the other thing to look at is how can we make the shin bone stronger so that it can handle more load? So it's always like, let's get the thing strong so it can take more load before it gets injured or like what can we change to put less load there in the first place? And that's the case with literally everything, every structure in your, in your leg and your body. And then the, probably the third aspect is you just have to deload and run less, your total running, running volume, right? So like this is what goes to my mind whenever anyone comes into the clinic injured with me is I'm thinking, can we shift some stuff around to like take load away from the injured site? Or can we do something like usually strength work to get the thing more robust so it can handle more load? And also just look at your total, total running volume. You might just have to decrease that to deload the area. So does that sort of make sense there? Yeah. Yeah. Does, should everyone be doing this kind of strength work regardless? Because for me personally, I've always left it too late <laughs> and um, then I've addressed yeah. it by then doing strength work. So is that your advice to every kind of runner to prepare yourself Strength work has been shown to decrease the risk of obvious injuries by 50%. And it's also been shown to improve your running economy by four to 8%. Improve your running economy by four to 8%. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. a big, so four, yes. four to 8%, not 48%. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the, you know, the Nike next, uh, sorry, the, the Nike 4% yeah. shoe. Yeah. Um, so that that was named 4% because in the studies they did on it, it improved your running economy by 4%. Mm. And that mm. we like, we've all worn those. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Someone just dropped me off some beer in COVID. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That's just a knock on my door. So yeah, everyone got these Nike 4% shoes and they legit, like we've all run in them, right? They feel so good. They actually oh, yeah. make you faster, but strength training makes you four to 8% more economical. Mm. Wow. So it's like wearing two of those pairs of shoes. Just yeah, together. Legit. legit. And so I'm my point of view is like hit the gym hard and buy the shoes, you'd be fucking unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> um, really so yeah. Point. So Luke, to answer your question, if you don't do strength training, you're just leaving so much on the table. So much. So and, and that's when I hear Dom talking about doing 150Ks a week. I'm like, sick, that is so freaking good. But are you doing two strength sessions in there? And if you are, that is unreal. If you're not, I'm like, I'd go from 150K a week to 120K a week, but I do two strength sessions and the results might actually be better than just more mileage. Right. Definitely. Do um, you do strength on? One strength session this week and oh, I'm yeah. starting to feel a little bit wiry though. I think it's definitely yeah. time to start doing a bit more. And I think that advice yeah. is spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like whenever I've felt the fittest is when I've been doing I've had my strength dialed in like, yeah, I think it's something that gets overlooked because it's just not that same kind of clear correlation, I guess. Like if you're doing strength work, you don't feel like, oh, I'm faster straight away. Whereas like mm -hmm. you do a, a good track session, you're like, oh yeah, that definitely helps like with my running. And maybe that's why some people find it a bit harder at times. Oh, definitely. And part of it is if, if you do a quality strength session, you probably feel like crap for two days afterwards because you're mm. tired and heavy and sore. And then that will make you feel like you can't run as well. So I, I understand why there's the reluctance to do it, but it, you only actually really see the benefits of doing it once you've done it for three months consistently. That's when you, you that's when you feel strong. That's when you'll have the results. But once you've done it for like four or five or six weeks, pretty consistently, you stop getting that soreness the next day. Yeah. So I know that I'm in a position where I could hit the gym pretty hard. And the next day I might be a little bit sore, but I, it won't affect my running. But it's it's taken weeks and weeks and weeks of, pardon me, training consistently before you can get to the point where you thrash yourself at the gym and then you can keep running as per normal. But I think runners just don't get past that hurdle a lot of the time or, or they don't know that they need to, if that makes sense. So, mm. yeah. Mm. So, 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 Luke, yeah, to answer your question, everyone should be doing it if you're not you're opening yourself up to getting more overuse injuries than you might need to and you're just leaving some training benefits on the table for sure yeah. so yeah and the most common thing for runners is oh, i don't have time i don't want to or whatever 
I'm like, well, if you're running six days a week, I'd straight away, I'd just run four days a week and go, go to the gym twice. And like, there it is. You'll actually be a better athlete for that. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the thing that I'm trying to get across to like anyone who I come across because it's science, it's data and, mm. and runners don't know the feeling of being strong. Like it's, it's, we all know the feeling of being fit. Like we know what it feels like to be fit and what it feels like to be not fit. And we, yeah. Like we all know that. But the feeling of genuinely being strong is something that I don't believe a lot of runners feel or they don't know what that feels like. And once you've got it, you're like, oh, why didn't I do this earlier? It's, mm. it's unreal. Yeah. So I okay. do it. <laughs> I definitely need to get onto that. Yeah. I feel that's, I, I almost know that my injuries in the past have been just zero strength work, building up mileage mm. too quickly, blowing yeah. out you know, having a stress reaction in my calf or something similar yeah. is just yeah. neglecting exactly what you're talking about, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so for the, for the beginner runner, what do you think, what, how do you normally advise them in terms of the period of time that for them to increase their mileage? Like we got to, whenever I speak to someone that's a beginner, they're always asking, how, how quickly can I, how quickly can I get into this? You know, how quickly can I increase my mileage? Obviously it's, it varies for sort of everybody, but what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question and there is no answer. Mm. It's very, it's very multifactorial, but a lot of it comes back to like, where's your, where is your cardiovascular fitness now? But more importantly than that, it's how tolerant are all the structures in your legs how tolerant are they to load so like how tolerant is your achilles tendon to running and jumping and springing how tolerant is your shin bone to impact on the ground and so if i get someone who's done gymnastics and crossfit for two years and then they want to start running i'm like shit yeah you're going to be great because you know how to jump and spring you know you're probably strong so those kind of people i would see their increase in running quite rapidly but if i get say like a cyclist they might be really fit, but they just are not, they're not, not adapted to repeated impact on the ground. So they'll get shin splints, they'll get knee pain, they'll get Achilles issues. So they might be strong and fit, but they can't impact the ground. So it's really interesting. Uh, in just, this is just, just my own anecdotal experience, but people who come from a, like a strength training kind of background tends to do better than people who are fit, like cyclists and swimmers who then want to start to run. Well, like rowers are a classic one. I see a lot of rowers who they're fit. They're like fucking tough humans and they know how to push through pain, but they just can't handle impact on the ground. And that's really, really dangerous. If you can handle pain, you can't handle, but your bones and joints and tendons can't handle the repeated stress of running. That's when you get into trouble. On the other hand, if you get someone who's just a complete newbie, does not exercise at all, say they're a bit overweight, they are not fit, they don't do any strength, they don't do anything. They're going to be limited by their cardio fitness. So they can just run as much as they want to or as much as they can. And they're not going to get injured because their cardio fitness won't be big enough to injure themselves. That yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So that would be their limiting factor. Yeah. So I, I, I think the more of a training background you have, the more quickly you're going to want to increase your running. And they, that therefore there's more risk of that. Mm. But like there's no there's no number there's no answer we can't plan stuff out yeah. it's it all comes down to pick an amount of running do it and then like see how your body goes like that's all it is and if your body says if your body gives two thumbs up you just do a bit more and if it's still good you do a bit more and then a bit more and like that's how you increase but if you, you pick an amount of running and you feel a bit tired or a bit overwhelmed or a bit sore or stiff, then okay, maybe peel that back. Notice I haven't talked about like the 10% rule because that shit doesn't exist for, mm. for all the reasons I just explained. Like everyone has their own tolerance. You can't put a number on it. People follow the 10% rule and still get injured. And so mm. it, it's, it's very much has to be done by feel and by like kind of like doing a bit, feeling it, reflecting. How do you like, how's everything gone? And then can I do a bit more? Yeah, let's do a bit more. Like that's, that's the name of the game. And runners who have that insight and who can do that well, they, they avoid injury. Yeah. Running technique. Does that play much of a part in people getting injured? Yes, definitely. You can. And the big thing with technique is, is everyone runs quite differently. There's no one best way to run. That's been studied and shown that it's, it's not, good or bad to heel strike it's not good or bad to run on your toes it it just it just shifts where the load goes in your body 
So you can like a really, a really basic but good example is if you heel strike or if you land hard on your heels, you put more impact into your shin bone and your knee joint. Whereas on the flip side, if you land on your toes, you put more of the impact, you put more of the strain on your calf, your Achilles and your plantar fascia. So one is not better than the other, but if I get someone who's like a real heavy heel striker coming in with knee pain, then we could theoretically say, hey, go less on your heel, more on your toe, and you're going to deload your knee, but put more load on your Achilles. And like vice versa for four foot strikers who get Achilles pain, I'm like, why don't you on heel strike for a bit? It'll put less load on your Achilles, but more load on your knee. So you can really shift things around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But if someone is has their own technique, they're running pain-free, they're enjoying it, then I don't, there's not really any need to change anyone's running technique mm. with the one exception of if they're overstriding, you got to get rid of that. You can't overstride because that's just inefficient. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And that's taken me, that's, that's taken me the last 10 years of gaining knowledge to summarize it like that, <laughs> but it is, it is like that simple. It, yeah. It's, it's been studied quite a lot and that there's no difference in, so let's say foot striker, right? You can be a heel striker, midfoot or forefoot. It's been studied and shown that there's no difference in performance between heel, mid and forefoot. And there's no difference in injury risk between heel, mid and forefoot. It just changes what injuries you will get, if that makes sense. Right. So if you're a heavy heel striker, you've heard it's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. It's just, yeah, changing the nature of the yeah. injuries you're going to get. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I guess the other word you just use there is heavy, right? I don't want anyone to be heavy. And that's, that's probably just reducing the overall impact on the ground. So mm. you can be a really light, smooth, efficient heel striker, and that's fantastic. Yeah. But if you're a heavy heel striker and you can hear someone thudding on the ground, maybe we can work on that. Yeah. So, so probably heavy is, is the word I'd, I'd, I would change there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be heavy. You don't want to overstride. If you're, if you're really light on your feet and not overstriding, great, play on. Do whatever you want. Okay. Right. Until, you get in, until you get injured and then change it. <laughs> okay. I have a question around foam rolling and stretching. How big of a part do those two things play in avoiding injury? 0.0%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> do you want me to they, stand on that? <laughs> so so foam rolling. Can you, so foam rolling every night is pointless. No, it's not pointless, but it's not going to prevent injury. Okay. So it's like foam rolling feels quite good, and it's in you feel like you're doing something which is good. You're you're taking care of your body theoretically, but I think. It, it does not prevent injuries whatsoever. I, I think it feels good and it can reduce the sensation of like tension you get around muscles and joints. So that, that's nice and useful. Mm-hmm. I actually use foam rolling when I have pain or when I have a niggle. Like if I'm dealing with, say, knee pain, I will foam roll my legs just on that side just to relieve some tension around that. And that helps. And it, it's a very good short-term symptom reliever, put it that way. But if you're uninjured and you're rolling every night to try and remain uninjured, you're just wasting time. Yeah. Okay. What about um, like range of motion? Would there be any benefits in like uh, performance from foam rolling or? No, no, no. So foam rolling has been shown to like very minimally change range of motion for a very short period of time. So if you foam roll, you can change change your flexibility for maybe 10 minutes. But if you test again the next day, it's back to the same. So like it doesn't have much of an effect there. But also like mobility is so overrated if you want to run, mind you. So if you want to run, all you, if you think about your running stride, all you need to do is like lift your leg up in front of you a little bit and then push your leg back behind you a little bit. That's all you need to do. The range of motion needed for running is tiny. So we all have that, like literally every single person has enough range of motion to run unless you've had some kind of wacky surgery or like you've broken bones maybe, Mm. but everyone has the range of motion to run and trying to improve beyond that range of motion is, is almost pointless. Like some people are trying to like really pull their leg over their head and stretch their glutes and do all this shit. I'm like, Mm. you don't need to move your glutes in that direction to run. There's no point. Yeah. I guess, um, a lot of those things are 
things that I would do in a warm up to try and get yeah. ready to run. Is there any yeah. value in that, or is it? There is. Yeah, I think uh, a warm up should be like I use some like stupid big words, but like a neuromuscular primer. So it should get your joints and muscles and everything like ready to go. And part of that is it's almost like a, a brain muscle connection. Mm-hmm. So do something to like kind of feel your muscles. And that might be jogging. It might be doing some like skipping and jumping and some hops and those like dynamic stretches oh, that yeah. we do. They're great. A lot of mm-hmm. people choose to do like a glute activation thing, yeah. like, you know, pop, pop a band around your legs and do something to feel your glutes. And like, that's great. I've got no no, no problem with that at all. And I think uh, something to distinguish here is that dynamic stretches versus like static stretches, right? So static mm. stretches, there's no point doing it ever. Yeah, yeah. But dynamic stretching is good to do as part of warm up. Yeah. That'll get you fired up and ready to run. Yeah. So it's more just about those like neuromuscular, like what you're saying, connections and making sure that your body kind of is getting into the right positions when you run sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the main thing, if we're talking like warm-ups here, you just need to gradually increase the intensity of the movement you're about to do. So say I'm basically the more intense the workout I'm about to do, the more I'll warm up. If I'm just going to go for a, for like a 5k jog, I do literally zero warm-up. There's no need. But if you're going, going to do like a 5k race or like some intervals at the track, should probably prepare and prime your body for that. But the best way to do that is just to run, start slowly and gradually bring up the intensity of that. So that's why you do like a K or two, it's like a warm up jog and then some like some run throughs and some hops and skips to get like your calves ready to spring, to get your hammies ready to power your lot, but gradually bringing up the intensity of that over five to 10 minutes. So that by the end of the warm up, you're a bit puffed and like blood in your muscles and you're ready to go. Like that's all the warm up has to be, nothing fancier than that. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, but like uh, if you look on Instagram and shit, there's always people doing impressive stuff that is useless. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a big insight for me personally because yeah. I've been guilty of sort of foam rolling and doing stuff like that, thinking the opposite of it being effective. But in actual fact, doing like my calf raises and stuff like that would be much more beneficial, would you say? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. like that, that's, that's, that's my like, that's where I sit on it is like, if you've done your run, if you've done your strength training, if you've done all the good stuff that's proven to be good for you and, and you also want to stretch and foam roll, like, great. I, I literally don't care. You're not doing any harm. But if people have, say you've only got 15 minutes and you do 15 minutes of stretching instead of strength, that's when I'm a bit frustrated. I'm like, stretching's not doing yeah. anything for you. The 15 minutes of strength is going to, so that's when I'm like, people could use their time better. Just do stuff that's actually good for you. But if you've mm. done your run, you've done everything, and then you want to stretch and you want to foam roll, like, I don't care. I'd go for it. Okay. Do you, do you have a sort of a, I guess it's probably different for every runner, but is there a go-to 15-minute strength workout that someone can do at home that you would recommend? Or do they really have to come in and see you and figure out what they need to do on a personal level there's there's a quote that i like it's it just says you can't go wrong getting strong so if someone's like should i do calf raises i'll be like yes and if they say should i do squats i'll say yes <laughs> should i do lunges <laughs> yes like like do it all because there's no such none of it's going to be harmful or bad for you i think every runner should do bicep curls very important for the just for the final 100 meters straight at that 5k rate um there's there's kind of like four things that i want all runners to do is something to work your calves something to challenge you on one leg in like a stability sense and something that mimics a squat and something that mimics a deadlift so basically yeah three big movement patterns a squat movement pattern a deadlift movement pattern a calf raise and something on one leg they're the four and there's like millions of varieties of each of those. But as long as you hit those four, then we're good. So in 15 minutes, you could do a squat, a deadlift, some calf raises and some, some stability stuff, right? And that can yeah. be a one-leg squat, a one-leg deadlift. It could just be balancing. It could be anything that kind of engages that stability part of your brain. What about yeah. core? Yeah. Core. What are you going to say? Uh, sorry, core. Core, can, core is, sorry. Is that- worth doing or um probably not before the other things so there's a big difference between abs and core 
So abs are the muscles like your six pack. The abs are the muscles you see at the beach and they actually have nothing to do with your core. So your core is, it's basically like a, a cube, like a box. And the front of your core is these muscles that live below your abs. So if you were to peel away your abs and look at what's underneath, there's another layer of muscle. That's the front of your core. The back of your core is like your spine and the sides is like your oblique muscles. The top of your core is your um, diaphragm. The bottom of your core is your pelvic floor. So it's this cube, this box that you want to train and your abs are completely separate from it. And they have almost no role in running, but they look good at the beach. So again, like, should we do sit-ups? Like there's no reason not to, but like, it's not really going to help you running, but they'll make you look better. So go for it. But in terms of core, I do very, 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 very minimal core work because when you do a squat, when you do a deadlift, when you do anything on one leg, your core is always going to be engaged to some, like, to some extent. So in the exercises I do, a lot of them challenge my core as well. So I therefore don't choose to do more core on top of that. But again, if I did, it wouldn't be a bad thing. It would only be a good thing if I did more core. So I, I just don't think it's high up on the priority list because you kind of hit your core with all the other exercises anyway. I guess if you've got proper technique, you're probably going to need to use your core. And yeah, it's exactly. probably worth strengthening your core to a certain extent until you can do things with good technique. And then um, I don't know, doing the exercises will kind of take care of it from there. Yeah, exactly right. Don. That's a good way to summarize it, yeah. Uh, okay. Any other questions? Can we go through some of the common running injuries or what just, I guess, what are the most common things you see from beginners coming in to see you? And just, I guess, some of the easiest way to prevent them. I'm, I mean, we've gone over doing, getting strong, but just in a more general sense, what, what, what would you say? Patty? Yeah. So, yeah. So, and it's the same, no matter what the injury, it's pretty much the same, the same factors are always at play here. So if we think about, if we think about, say something coming, coming in with knee pain, then we've got to think like, what are the, what are the primary reasons that your knee is not tolerating the load you're putting on it? Is it because you're not strong? In which case the solution would be do strength work or for knee pain, is it, is it, are you putting heat? heaps of load on your knee because you've got poor running technique we can change that or if you if you, is your knee sore because you've just run too much for your body and then that's kind of like your weakest point so for me it's all it's always those three it's always going to be um can we change technique to put less less impact there can we make you stronger so you can handle more load can we change your overall running volume to let stuff calm down so in terms of knee pain like that that's how we'd approach it if someone's got like let's say an Achilles tendinopathy, then yeah, I'd look at, I'd, I'd look at them run. And if they run on their forefoot, cool. Can we go back towards more of a midfoot or a heel strike? That'll deload your Achilles. And then like, you got to like settle stuff down. And once things are settled and kind of out of pain, that's when you go and do heaps of calf raises and get the Achilles strong. But in the meantime, the, the trick is like managing their running load, try and keep running as much as you can, but allowing the Achilles to settle down. So like Achilles and knee pain are probably two of the most common and shin splints as well, I suppose. You see them like every day, but it's always the same approach with all of them. Do, do you want to like pick one, Luke, and just yeah. go through it? Okay. Can I go through? I'll go through a personal one. Just let's do it. Let's when I was <laughs> when I was training for my fur for the Melbourne Marathon a little bit of time ago, I picked up what I thought was my calf. I had a bit of a calf injury where I went yep. to a physio that was local to me. And he basically said, you've got to more than likely sounds like you have a stress reaction just from overuse in your calf. And it was quite like, I wasn't sure. Like every time I get sort of injured before it gets too bad, I'll, I'll go to the physio just to make sure. Cause I get a little bit scared that I'm you know going to be out for a longer period of time. And when I was, when I was there, I said, can I keep training? And he determined based on, in my calf that I can actually keep training through the same load because I was in that critical period in the last like three weeks or the last like month where I just didn't want to slow down, which is actually what you were mentioning before is you probably should really reevaluate why you're training if you're training through pain, but he made the distinction that I could push through it. How, how do you make that? How can you make that distinction? Cause I was worried that I would be, 
you know, get worse, but I didn't, he, he was right. Like I was able to train through it. Yeah. So there's, um, I, a few different things. So if someone can like walk around with zero to no pain, zero to minimal pain. And if someone can perform like a, a basic bunch of movements, then that will let me determine if it's a straight yes or a straight no. Right. Like if say someone's coming in with something in their calf, like you did, yeah. A very simple test is can you hop up and down? And so like on one leg, just hopping up and down, if you can do that and actually feel fine to do it, then yes, you can run. Mm-hmm. Say you tried to hop up and down on one leg and you did one hop and then you grabbed your calf and went, oh, shit, that hurt. That's a straight no for me. Yeah. Like do not run mm-hmm. until you can at least start to move and jump on your and hop and up and down on that one leg. And that's basically a determinant of like, can you run or should you not run if we're dealing with a calf injury? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say, say you probably would have been able to hop that day. Yep. Then it's like, then we look to your, your pattern of symptoms. Um, now that when we're talking about pattern of symptoms, we're talking about during the run, what happens after you finish running. So like, let's say during a run, does it, warm up and kind of go away as you run or as you run does it kind of get worse so there's only one mm-hmm. of two options there as you're running is it getting better or is it getting worse mm-hmm. but then there's like how do you pull up after the run so like the next day quite often you can run and have minimal pain but then you get out of bed the next day and you can't walk mm-hmm. so it's like how are you during the run how do you pull up the next day and then what's it like over the course of like one to two weeks is it actually gradually getting worse or is it gradually getting better so that's mm-hmm. when i ask myself well, not myself, that's when I ask my patient, like all of those questions. And if if it's actually trending to get better over the last one or two weeks, and that's a fantastic sign and you can keep running. But if someone's running and the pain gets worse during a run or if the next day after a run they're really in a lot of pain, then we have to reduce the running load. So if they've shown, like if you've shown me, Luke, that you can hop up and down, great, you can run, but maybe we just actually need to reduce the volume so that you start responding better the next day. And so we start getting better on like a more of a macro level. Yeah. So there's always like, a de- I want to determine on the spot while you're there in front of me, it's like, can you run or can you not run right now? And then it's just working out the volume, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a key distinction because if I didn't go to the physio at that point, I, I might've stopped running, but then I had another situation training for a different training block where it was the same, same sort of injury in my calf. I guess instead of progressing through the two weeks or the, or the week, I kind of, it really, when I started running, it affected my running form where I was sort of like almost hopping. And that's when I knew, okay, this is not gonna, this is not gonna work. And I went back mm-hmm. to my physio and then I was out for maybe like um, over a month or month and a half so it was the same yeah. sort of pain but it got worse so yeah. those might have been very too different what you're saying in your previous sort of statement is like if it's getting worse then yeah that's when yeah. i had to stop yeah. yeah and and that's like when you say you were running but having to limp or having to adjust your stride to avoid mm. pain that for me like that's a big red flag for me if you're limping or if you're doing something different that's a red flag and mm. i bet a hundred bucks that you wouldn't have been able to. I didn't try actually, but it was more yeah. it on my first one. I never had to alter my stride and it kind of was yeah. just like a pain through. I don't know if it's through the calf, but when I did a session, for example, it would warm up. Like you're saying, it would be fine. And then when I stopped, it would be almost worse. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's, it's always, it, this is where it becomes more of an art than a science. Yeah, it's because um, you've got to make tricky. like judgment calls, and yeah, you've got to have a bit of intuition with this stuff. Um, because and what, so, go on. Yeah. Oh, I was just saying it gets tricky as well because what everyone else feel like you're interpreting people's feelings of pain as well yeah. is that would be tricky, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Oh, it is, and it's fascinating. Like something could be a two out of ten pain to someone and be a seven out of ten pain to someone else. Mm-hmm. It's it's really interesting and, and yeah like pain like pain as a sensation is like a fascinating topic and it means different things to different people which is- okay that is that a common one through the through the calf like that or what a um so i think there's there's a bit of a terminology mix up there because okay stress a stress reaction that you were saying a stress reaction is something you can only get in bone um, okay so either you're talking about a stress reaction in your shin 
or you're talking about a muscle tear in your calf. So it sounds like it could be either of the two. But yeah, then, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. I kind of just. If, that's my own terminology. I think. Yeah. I would have got it mixed if up. Word, if the word stress reaction were thrown around, that's that's talking about bone. So it would have been mm-hmm. a stress reaction in your in your shin bone, probably. Um, yeah. Okay. So with that, yeah, often you don't need to completely stop when there's a some mild bone stress then yeah it's it's almost always like decrease your load a little bit to allow some like natural healing to take place like if you're banging out 100k weeks and you're getting pain maybe you can go and do 60k weeks and allow healing to take place like you don't have to stop if that makes sense Mm. Mm. do you um do you see many runners come in when it's too it's too late to deload like do you see a lot of people they've yeah. taken it too far probably most people are. yes yeah. oh, i think that's what you're talking about yeah at, like when we first started the interview but yeah like i've been pretty i get pretty scared and go straight to physio straight away but i yeah. imagine a lot of people would be like keep running 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 yeah yeah it, it's it's heartbreaking for me when i have to tell someone to stop running or when i have to tell someone they've got a stress fracture like that's mm. <clears throat> pardon me that's really heartbreaking and a, a challenging part of my job because someone's coming in as a runner who loves running and wants to do it every day. And I have to say, Oh, you can't run for 12 weeks. Like that's heartbreaking for me, Mm. but the vast majority of people, you just have to like reduce their load to some extent. And it's just working out whether that's reduced by 20% or reduced by 80%. We don't, we don't know, but yeah, it's, it's more common that people just um, are able to keep running, but just reduce the load or like take a week off and then like shit will settle and get back into it. But that's, that's something we're always, always, always trying to get across is I'd rather like Luke, I'd rather you when you come in and you're unsure of what something is, but that's why we're here is like, let's get a diagnosis and then work out straight away if it's serious or not. And I'd much rather someone come in and be like, yeah, yeah, cool. It might hurt a little bit. It's not that serious. It's low Mm. risk. Keep running. See you never like that's a really good outcome for me. Yeah. Rather than, yeah, you've been pushing through pain for six weeks. Now I have to tell you to stop for a month. Like mm. that's, that's not great. So I always advocate for people to come in. Like if they don't know what the injury is or there's concern, just come in as soon as you can rather than run through it for a month. Cause that running through it for a month might then put you out for a month mm. instead of like, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, so yeah, we're trying yeah. to get people in early for sure. Yeah. You are right. It's more of a, definitely sounds like more of an art <laughs> then uh yeah you can't really give a certain answer dom i remember you were you've been pretty good with injuries touch wood but yeah I you had that... a bit of what was the one you went through after your first marathon i think you had like a bit of plantar fasciitis yeah a little bit of plantar fasciitis but yeah i think i've been pretty good with injuries coming from a middle distance background all that strength work and stuff like that is there's a lot more emphasis on it whereas like distance running is like okay we're running go run you're going to get better at distance running whereas the, the shorter the distance the more i don't know reliance on strength work and other things is kind of like naturally part of the training yeah i don't know that's just my two cents worth but yeah i had yeah. fasciitis and it took about i think two or three weeks off and it kind of went away i think i was fortunate that i got in early enough that it wasn't too bad mm. and you started strengthening yeah. your uh foot specifically right yeah, yeah, I think like foot strength is kind of something that I've never done before until I got plantar fasciitis. And yeah, you don't realize how important your feet are to running. And I think that's probably something that a lot of people overlook until mm. it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. Patty, do you have, is that a common one that you see for injuries with the feet more specifically? And do you like, is it beneficial? Obviously it is, but given a shorter time frame to do strength work, do you do specific things for your feet or prescribe that for your clients? It's the exact same as your core. So mm-hmm. I, where possible, I try and train barefoot mm-hmm. and have like quite a, <clears throat> an engaged foot on the ground. So once you've got the, the basics of like knowing what's good, healthy foot position, not <coughs> pardon me, knowing how to use your big toe, your big toe is really important. So once you can, you have like the control and the dexterity of the foot, you know how to use your toes and anchor it on the ground well, then then doing a barefoot squat becomes like a foot strengthening drill and doing calf raises becomes foot strength. So there's been really good, there's a really good study I read a few years ago that 
that showed two groups of people. One group was given foot strengthening drills to do for six months. One group was just told to wear like minimal barefoot style shoes for six months. And then they like scanned them at the beginning, at the end. And after six months, they had both gotten the, the size of the muscles in their feet had both gotten the same size bigger, if that makes sense. Like they've both grown muscle at the same rate. And that's like doing specific foot strength work versus just wearing like non-supportive shoes. Mm. So I think it points to a bigger, a bigger picture of like the shoes that we all wear yeah. for 15 hours a day are actually not doing anything good for our feet. So mm. if you're always say like wearing a leather dress shoe, which would like cramp your feet and prevent your foot mm. from working well, or say you're wearing like a quite a cushion supportive running shoe all day, then your foot's not allowed to be able to move and flex and, and engage as it would normally. So one of the best things you can do for your feet is to stop wearing horrible shoes for 15 or 18 hours a day and just like let your feet fly, like free mm. foot. That's one of the best things to do. But if you can't do that because you have to wear stupid leather shoes or whatever, then yeah, hell yeah, you should do some foot strength work. Okay. Are there any, yeah. Actually, I had another question um, yeah, go on, Dom. Oh, I was going to move away from some physio chat. And okay. Something else. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Another good question we've been asking people is, "What's your favourite race, Patty?" And yeah, just talk us through it. I think my favourite race. I've said this for years. Is the six foot track marathon. It's it's pretty wild. So it's forty five k's up in the Blue Mountains. But if if you haven't heard of the six foot track, or if anyone listening doesn't know about it. So it's 45K of trails, but it's so 45K is only 3K longer than a road marathon. But to get an estimate for your time, it'll take you to complete six foot. You take your road marathon and add 50%. So if you're running a road marathon in three hours, you're looking at four and a half hours for a six foot track, but it's only 3K longer. So that gives you an idea of the, like the difficulty and the, the challenge of the terrain. But it's a fantastic event, I think, because... It's, it's run by the Rural Fire Service and it's, it's, a, it's a non-for-profit. It's just to raise funds for the Rural Fire Service out in the Blue Mountains. And, and they, all the aid stations are manned by fireys, which is really cool. And there's just such an energy and a camaraderie and atmosphere at that race. It's just absolutely incredible. There's a water crossing that's usually like chest height or waist of the finish line coming down into a valley where the, you can hear cowbells coming up out of the valley for the last like two or three kilometres. It's just this most electric atmosphere. Yeah. It's 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 my most favorite race for sure, and this year I'm doing it for the seventh time. It's yeah, it's heck, it's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. You're the only one at Dom you mentioned. Yeah, first time. Um, yeah, it's great. What about any particular runs, like a day out at six foot, or I don't know, maybe elsewhere? Oh, just like tracks that I like to run on. Oh no, no, just or... um, like a a particular race. Oh, oh, one of mine. Um, oh, geez. It would have to be City to Surf 2019. Is that in your budgies? Or? Yeah, it's because I was in yeah, my budgies right. and I got on the news. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's the way the City to Surf works is in the, in the starting groups, there's all the different start groups, like the green group, the blue group, the red group, whatever. But there's, so there's the, they call them the elite group and there's only like 20 or 30 in there. They're like the pros. And then just behind the elite is the preferred group. And there might be like two or 300 preferred runners. And then behind them is the red group, but there's a few thousand. Mm -hmm. So I qualified to get into the preferred group. So not in the top 30, but like in the next kind of yeah. 200, I got in that group. Mm -hmm. Big dog. And so I, as part of that, they allow you to warm up in front of the start line, which is kind of cool. You get to do it. Everyone else is standing there huddled in their starting groups. You're allowed to run around and warm up and do your drills. Yeah. Um, and then they corral you in like, all right, preferred runners getting, getting, getting in. They kind of push you back behind a rope. And then lastly, the elite runners, then they corral the elite runners in and say, all right, you stand behind that one. And they just divide you by like this, they string, they pull between you like a rope. They pull between the preferred. And I just happens to be, to bend, literally I just bent down to tie my shoes up, tying, tying, tying. And when I stood up, I just happened to be on the elite <laughs> side of the rope. And I was standing in the elites, like not intentionally at all. And I look back and on the other side of the rope is all my preferred friends. And I'm like, oh, I'm, 
And then I looked back ahead of me and there's the start line. Like literally my foot was on the start line of this <laughs> surf. And I'm like, oh shit, okay, well, I'm in the elites. I'm on the start line and I'm wearing budgie smugglers. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just decided to, to wear budgie smugglers that year. Me and another mate did. But I'm sitting, I'm standing there in my bright green speedos and the camera pans across you and like, because I'm in the front row, I'm on the start line of the elites, the camera's on me. <laughs> and it, was, it was such a cold day. Like it was freezing. This was pumped full of adrenaline. And then when the gun goes off, you, I think my first K was like two minute 40, my first K or something, just sprinting down the start line. <laughs> cool. uh, it was just, and there's these, these great photos of like the elites leading out the race and I'm there next to my budgies. Yeah. It was great fun. And um, I'd never, ever, in my whole life, I'd never, ever once been wolf whistled, ever, once. But that day I got wolf whistled like 15 times. <laughs> it's quite cool. <laughs> uh, just a really fun experience. Um, actually, kind of, uh, the first K was clearly too quick. The second K, I dropped down to like five-minute pace. But then one of my mates ran past me and I thought, oh, I can't let him beat me. So then I actually came back to like a good pace and ended up with a nice finishing time. But doing it all on my budgies was good fun. Uh, yeah, and there's like you can't take running too seriously. You're like, it, it's interesting that you talk about like what's my one of my most memorable running experiences, and it was the one time I just took the piss out of it. Like it was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was gonna tell you about like my marathon PD, but it's I don't know. It's more fun just to take the piss and have, have a laugh. I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Yeah, such a good awesome. story. We're gonna have to find that one of those photos and put it on the. Uh, podcast title <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you <laughs> oh dear. Uh, last question just a little bit about your podcast you've been doing that for a while yeah it's quite a it's quite a big podcast how how did you get into yeah. doing that in the first place <clears throat> yeah so it's called that's running and i think we've done 100 episodes maybe 102 episodes or something like that yeah. Um, it was just me and my colleagues. So I'm a physio, my colleague, Mike, he's a massage therapist and we both just primarily treat runners. Like we both are runners and we just both treat runners and kind of like we, we were having a rant one day. We're like, runners are just inherently dumb. They're freaking stupid and they keep doing dumb things to hurt themselves. Like we just had a bit of a rant and we're like, it's not that complicated like you just do this 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 and you can reduce your injuries and people make dumb decisions and we just had this rant this discussion between us and my boss like stood there watching us and then once we were done he came in and he's like guys if i put a microphone between you you would have a, such a good podcast and i'm like yeah right what's a podcast and then <laughs> we, we decided yeah we were like fuck it why not let's do a podcast and really the way i see it is like we just get to chat about running So me and me probably like you guys, right? Like you just love yeah, this exactly. stuff. Me and, me and Mike love it. We, that's why we, we chew through a hundred episodes anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour. And we just got to talk about running. So yeah, we did that. And I guess it came from a place of we're both health professionals who work in the running space. We're both coaches. We both love it. Like, and we feel like we can help people and put good info out there. There's a lot of terrible, just incorrect information out there. So part of what we saw is, we can put some good info out there and that was the motivation to do it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, awesome. um, sorry. Someone just called me. That was the motivation mm -hmm. to do it. And yeah, we got to have some fantastic conversations on the way. It's yeah, it's really cool. All righty. Awesome. Well, you've certainly uh, provided a lot of insight for, I guess, whoever's going to listen to this. We're yeah. still in the very early days, but yeah, we really appreciate it. It's been awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love coming on. I'll come on. Anytime, just chat shit, Brad. <laughs> yeah, no worries.